Okay, welcome back to the United podcast. Now, finally, finally, international football is over. Well, at least I hope it is. Um, I did see a little bit this morning, and Harry Maguire obviously reminding us that international football was a thing, and we'll definitely get into Harry Maguire very shortly. But I'm joined by Adrian from the Man United Supporters Club here in Sydney. How are you, mate? Good, thanks, mate. Yourself? Yeah, very good. Now, first of all, I want to start this podcast with an apology to a friend of the podcast, George, who we recorded a fantastic podcast a few hours ago, but an absolute amateur mistake on my behalf. We recorded on a few sort of dodgy school tables, and um, the, the tables were banging together as the chat got sort of quite heated, and um, there's a constant banging on the recording, so um, I don't think that was fair to either of us or to our listeners to put out, so um, we'll definitely get George back on the podcast soon. But um, that was obviously because Larry has called in sick. I think, Larry, there's a rumour that he's chosen seafood over the podcast tonight. So really appreciate <laughs> um, Adrian stepping in. And um, well, there's a lot to chat about. We might as well get straight into it. Um, we'll start with well, Project Big Picture. This has dominated the headlines over the last couple of days. And, and I think by the time recording this, I've seen the most recent reports seem to suggest that it's sort of stuck in the money. It's not going to go ahead sort of the majority of the Premier League clubs have stepped in and said, this is absolute nonsense, this can't go ahead. And it looks like it has lost its legs at the moment, which is a good thing. I think that pretty much every single person except you know, people like the Glazers and the Liverpool owners and sort of all the owners of the big clubs, everyone else is against it except those people. But I think something that's a little, little bit more relevant and obviously is going to be something going in that starts this weekend, unfortunately, is the pay-per-view option, or not pay-per-view option, the pay-per-view football in terms of for the English in Sky Sports and BT Sport, etc., for the games that aren't televised, people who already have a subscription to those networks will have to pay extra for these matches. Now, we're speaking here on the other side of the world in Australia, and obviously a lot of Australian listeners here for our podcast, and but we do have listeners over in England. I'll just inform some of the listeners in England, okay, you take away the time zones and the time sort of differences that sort of Australians face when watching English Premier League, in terms of the coverage and content for English Premier League football, there's probably no better place to watch football, English Premier League football, than Australia. Like Our coverage is second to none. We get every single game live. We get every Champions League game live, every Europa League game live, all the internationals, World Cups, all for... I assume, Adrian, you have Optus. What do we pay for Optus? Is that $15 a month? Yeah, and I saw that, like, I think last month they had some really good deal on where um, it was, I think, $100 for an annual subscription, which is pretty incredible, you know, given that that Optus covers like the Euros as well, um, yeah, so the Europe League, Euros Champions Cup, League. Yeah. So yeah, so yeah, so, you've got um, the Euros, World Cup, etc. But the, the main thing I think with all of us is obviously Premier League football. And you say they're hundred dollars a year, or say fifteen dollars a month. But here they're charged. They've got a, United's one of the first games on the weekend. United v Newcastle, where it's going to be that pay per view option, and United Newcastle will be fifteen pound. Now, what's fifteen pound? I assume, you know, twenty five, thirty dollars for a single yeah. game, and we're paying that. A month or less than that well 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 less than that a month for every single game just your thoughts on just football or sky and premier league etc going ahead with this type of sort of down this avenue yeah look it's an, it's an interesting one i mean i've, I've done a bit of look you know reading into what what's um happening with the pay-per-view and how it's actually going to work and sort of my understanding is that the clubs are actually going to get um the funds from the pay-per-view but I also saw that, that Sky and BT are sort of introducing it to cover their additional broadcasting costs. But given that the games are broadcasted anyways, you know, they're broadcasted to an international audience. And, um, you know, like in Australia, we get to watch all of the traditional 3pm kickoffs um, on Optus Sport. I'm just 
a bit bit surprised that that they've gone for this pay per view option after having pretty much all of the Premier League games on in England. Um, you know, as part of the normal subscriptions. Well, you say that you're surprised. Like I was talking to George earlier. While I'm surprised, and completely agree with what you're saying. Can you really be surprised it's taken them this long? To because people will pay it. Like, well, we can sit here and say, oh, it's disgraceful. They shouldn't be doing it. However, football is a drug. And people need their fix, and people love their clubs so much, they're going to pay it. Like, there'll be millions of Man United fans who will pay this £15. Obviously, there'll be millions who find illegal streams to do it. But can you, are you really shocked that it's taken them this long to sort of implement this option? Yeah, well, I mean, I, I would have thought that they would have done the more sensible option. And, um, you know, I, I imagine that all of the season ticket holders have already paid however much they need to pay for their memberships. Um, you know, I would have thought that the clubs would have perhaps organised for all of the season ticket holders to given, be given access to watch the games that they have already pretty much paid to attend. But yeah, I mean, that's why it took me a bit by surprise that they ended up going down this option, you know, especially given the COVID situation in England and Europe at the moment. I mean, with with things worsening, I think people really need sport as an outlet um, to sort of just escape from the daily realities of life. And I think by slabbing on an additional £15 charge to watch your football team play after already, you know, incurring significant cost in getting BT and Sky, I think it's just... I think it's just really hard for, for football fans to stomach. But but then again, I agree with you as well that the football fans are going to pay pay it regardless. Yeah, I think it's one of those things. If you look at it and you sort of talk about... Look at it from an Australian point of view. It's fantastic. It's no skin off our back. We're just paying the $15 for a month and we get absolutely everything. But I just think, like, the Man United Supporters Trust have been against it. You talk about sort of the season ticket holders in terms of maybe they could have been sort of subsidised in terms of if you, they'll go into the match anyway, maybe they could get some type of access to this game, which the club, the fans have been pushing. But the clubs, obviously, if they're going to get a cut from this pay-per-view option, um, it does look like they're quite reluctant to sort of, not wouldn't say communicate with the fans, but the, they've sort of, opt, sort of chosen to go with Sky and BT, unfortunately. Yeah, and I mean, one thing that, that concerns me as well is that, obviously, as you know, the Premier League sort of released their, their televised fixture list, fixture list, you know, a month in advance or whatever. But my concern is is that they might start um, scheduling the big games like the United v Chelsea or United yeah, v definitely. Arsenal um, at those times when they're going to charge pay-per-view. So, you know, I really worry that that they might try and exploit the situation and, and um, schedule games at pay-per-view times that traditionally wouldn't be scheduled on those times. Oh, no, that, that'll definitely happen. I'll be shocked if that won't happen. I'm sure Man United will have the majority of the pay-per-view games. Um, you look at that, there is a Man United tax. That Man United tax doesn't just come from Man United in the transfer market. If we want this player who's worth 50 million, he's suddenly worth 70 million if Man United are in. That's not just there. It's the fans pay a tax. We pay more than anyone. You look at ticket prices, memberships, shirt costs, etc. The big bigger clubs will pay more and I'm sure there's more of us fans watching again we have it for pretty much free here in Australia but there's so many fans in England who are going to pay the money and um, it's sad like I don't sort of condone people going and finding illegal streams but I really can't blame anyone for here because it is a lot of money for a single game where you really should be getting it for free or at least in your subscription with which they're already paying top dollar for. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I saw a, quite a funny post on my way home from work today from the um, the Optus Sport Facebook page, and they pretty much um, outlined all of the costs that you know a fan would need to 
pay out if they were to um, have their Sky, their BT, and also pay for every single pay-per-view match. And then Optusport did a comparison of how much it would cost for someone living in England to, to come to Australia, <sighs> live in Bondi at, at a hostel, and then also pay for their Optusport subscription. And it still worked out cheaper to come to Australia and watch the football here. Yeah, well, it is. Look, we can't hide from the fact the only real challenge we have, and it is a challenge, unfortunately, is the time difference. But um, this game against Newcastle, because it has been moved, it's actually been moved from a 1 a.m. kickoff here in Sydney to a 6 a.m. Sunday morning, which. Look, I was actually looking forward to the 1 a.m. game because um, had the, obviously the Merseyside derby before it. You could sort of stay up and watch the build up. But um, it does sort of suit Australian fans, but um, it, it does sort of leave a sour taste that it does. Um, it is going to affect a lot of match-going fans and a lot of people close to the ground, which is unfortunate, but it is a sad sign of the times. Now, we'll move on to football and talk about sad sign of the times. This guy can't get away from it, Harry Maguire. Now, this morning he was sent off for England. Did you see the highlights for the... or the lowlights for Harry Maguire this morning? Yeah, unfortunately I did. Um, yeah, two two silly challenges from him, and, yeah, can't really blame the referee for sending him off there. Well, what do you think of that? Because I saw he got sent off, so I quickly went on a tour and said, OK, I'm going to have a look at this. And I saw the first tackle, and I thought, oh, he must have got a straight red. And I thought, oh, jeez. But then I thought, oh, he got a yellow. OK, so there's two yellows. Then I saw the second yellow, and I thought, look, I can't blame the referee for giving a yellow card there. It's a yellow card, however, I can't really blame Harry Maguire for that. His only real mistake there was his first touch. That was horrible. I thought the tackle... He didn't do anything wrong. It was just unfortunate. And again, I'm not going to blame the referee. I think he's seen the studs hit the guy, clean the guy up, and it's a foul. But I don't think it's the worst tackle by Harry Maguire. The first one, I could argue, maybe should have seen a straight red. But I feel he was a little bit hard done by on the second one. Yeah, but but then it goes back to that first one. It was pretty bad as well. And yeah. I, I think his first yellow card was quite early in the, on in the game. So you yeah. know, the referee could have been just doing his bit to try and give Harry a chance, um, given how early in the game it was. Yeah, no, definitely. We'll, we'll move on to, well, staying with Harry Maguire, but moving on to this week's game against Newcastle. And now, a lot of a lot of people have been calling for Harry Maguire to be dropped anyway, just in regards to performances. This goes back to maybe even post-lockdown and last last season, but especially this season, he's obviously been very below par. And so people have said, oh, he should be dropped, he should be dropped. I think the captaincy is a separate issue. We're just talking about his performances. However, now it's got to the stage... Everyone, I think, even big fans of Maguire like myself say he needs to be dropped. Whether you call it dropped or rested, I think it's a case of both. I think his performances deserve to be dropped, but also I think he needs a rest because it's not just his performances now, it's everything. The English media are on him, the fans are on him. You can, you can see, I don't want to bring it into it, but you can almost visibly see Greece is still on his mind. And I know that's a lazy argument, but you can almost see that. There's just so much going on in Maguire's life. I saw his face when he was sent off, and it was just—it wasn't like a victim face saying "Why me?" But it was almost like he was just fed up. He's like, "You've got to be kidding! Just, just kill me now! Like this can't get any worse." And just your thoughts going into this Saturday? Do you think it's a no-brainer that Solskjaer will drop him, or um, just your thoughts going into it? Yeah, I mean, I I don't know if I can see um, Maguire being dropped for the game. To be honest, like. Um... I guess if you drop him, who do you bring in? You've got an Eric Bailly who um, who went off injured in the in the first game of the of um, of the Ivory Coast's um, international friendlies, and and luckily it wasn't a serious injury, but it was um, to do with fatigue. And Bailly's barely played this year, um, so I just don't know who who we could possibly replace Maguire with. Um, but at the same time, you know, it does really look like things are 
are not working out for him, you know, on the pitch and off the pitch. And I think, yeah, even though it is a bit of a weak excuse, um, Mykonos is definitely on his mind. I mean, that what he went through and, and, you know, from what I understand happened in Mykonos, it sounds like a horrible thing for Maguire to have gone through and to have a criminal trial coming up and all the rest. Um, I can't see it being easy for him to be able to focus on football, but at the same time, he is, he is the captain of Manchester United, and I think it's important that as, as fans we do stick by him. Um, and um, I think what he needs more than anything else right now is support, not only from the fans but from the club as well. And I think that it might do us more harm than good if we were to, to see him dropped on Saturday. Well, in terms of that, in terms of, yeah, is it a positive or negative? I think a lot of people sort of say, okay, he'll, he'll benefit from the being dropped. However, just in what you, you referenced there, do you think it'll almost have a detrimental effect if he gets dropped? Yeah, I mean, I, I just, I just don't know um, what will be motivating him if, if he, if, if things just continually like a, like, like a domino just keep falling over and keep negatively affecting him. I think it's going to be harder and harder for him to bounce back. Um, you know, I, I imagine that that what he wants to do right now is get back on the football pitch and and get back to playing his best football. Um, so I just I just worry that if, if, if we see him dropped on Saturday, that it's just going to make it even harder for him to come back. Do you think there's a case, I was speaking to George earlier, and he made a point where he's saying there is potentially a scenario where Harry Maguire might be the one to go to Solskjaer and say, hey, <laughs> things aren't going well. Can you give me a break? Could you see that from someone like Harry Maguire? Or do you think maybe there'd be too much pride there? Look, that, that's a tough one. I mean, like, it, I just guess it depends on how bad things are for Maguire. And from, from an outsider's point of view, they do look pretty bad. Um, I think that there's no shame in him going to Solskjaer and asking for a break. Like, I mean, um, you know, in my time as a United fan, I don't think I've ever seen a player go through what Harry Maguire has sort of been through over the last six months. You know, you, you have a lockdown and then you, you play all of these games of football in very short succession. Then you have a, a three-week break or whatever of which you, you get arrested and have this criminal trial and then you're thrown back into playing football for United and then you have international games coming up. It just it seems like he really hasn't had an opportunity to switch off and um, and revitalise as a footballer and as a person. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if he did go to, to Solskjaer and ask for it, but at the same time, I think um, he knows his role as a captain in the club and I think that he'll be really itching to sort of um, keep working with United to get getting back to where we should be as a club. Well, I think if, if this was under Sir Alex Ferguson, it would be a very easy fix. Sir Alex Ferguson would say, OK, go over to Brazil, go to Dubai, sun yourself on the beach for a couple of weeks and come back. However... Obviously, in 2020, in the COVID world, that's not the most simplest thing to do. So I think the best thing for him in terms of a break would have to stay in Manchester and almost in this bubble so he doesn't come back and have to quarantine, etc. But I think that almost would be the message from Solskjaer. He, he sort of w- wouldn't be opposed to sending him away for two weeks over to Dubai or something just to get away from things. But I don't think he can do that in 2020 because there's such a risk in coming back, not only coming back, but obviously a quarantining issue. If you have, give a player a two-week break... Well, really, it's a four-week break. Yeah, and I mean, the thing is as well, like, I just don't think that you can do it as the manager of Manchester United right now. I mean, like, yeah. you look at the squad that we have, you know, we, we, we don't really have a lot of centre-backs that are willing and able to play first-team football. You know, you've got Marcus Rojo and, um, and uh, Phil Jones who are just sitting at Carrington not really doing much. And then, um, you know, you've got Eric Bailly and Victor Lindelof. Um, but that's about it in terms of defenders. I know that Axel's, you know, potentially coming back to full fitness, but he hasn't played football for 18 months or so. Um, and then you've got Tegan Mendy as well, who um, hasn't really had much experience playing first-team football. So I feel like um, it'd be really hard for, for Solskjaer to even 
you know, go up to Maguire and tell him that you should take some time off, just given um, the position that the club is in it. The, sorry, the position that the club is in in right now. But at the same time as well, you look at the run of games we've got coming up in the next month. It's it's crazy. Yeah, no, definitely agree 100%. Just on that in regards to, let's say he does get dropped or he doesn't drop slash rested. He's on the bench on Saturday against Newcastle. Let's say Bruno Fernandes starts. I don't want to get into the whole captain's debate, but do you see Bruno be then given the captain's armband or do you think Solskjaer gives it, let's say, a David De Gea? The, the only reason I ask is, imagine if he gives it to Bruno and suddenly we win 3-0. Could you imagine the storm? Because Harry Maguire will likely then come in against PSG. And look, Let's be honest, we're very likely going to lose against PSG. If Harry Maguire plays and takes the captaincy back off Bruno, there's just all this added fuel to this fire. Could you see, say Maguire is dropped, where do you see the captaincy going on Saturday? That's a good question. I think um, I think it's only possible that it's going to go to two places. I think it will either go to De Gea, um, you know, and he's, he's previously been, been the captain um, and, and he's played that role before. But similarly, I wouldn't be surprised if United give it to Rashford. Um, you know, United are really in a position where PR is just not working for them. You know, you've got fans commenting on every Facebook post they put up saying Glazer out, Glazer's out, um, you know, and then you finally got Marcus Rashford, who is the one sort of shining light for United at the moment. I wouldn't be surprised just um, in light of everything that he's been doing um, and his performances recently as well. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if Solskjaer just went up to him and gave him the captain's armband for Newcastle. Yeah, no, that's a shout. I don't see Rashford as a captain's type, but in terms of the way you put it, in terms of the, just the short-term situation we find ourselves in, um, it definitely is a shout. I was going to put my hand up for, obviously, one matter. I'm going to make a case for him to start um, later in the podcast. But um, I just feel, while I've I, no issue with giving it to Bruno, I just think it adds fuel to, to the fire if Bruno has suddenly been the captain. And I've no, no issue with Bruno getting it. Um, I just I can see I can see all, um, Solskjaer's doubts in doing that. But moving on to Bruno and Solskjaer, um, again more controversy, just like the Maguire situation. Mentioned on the last podcast that I felt that the media, certain parts of the media and certain journalists were doing their best to drive a wedge between Solskjaer and sort of our fan favourite, who no one has a bad word to say against, in Bruno Fernandez. Sort of with the idea that fans would take Bruno Fernandez's side. We saw this with Pogba and Jose Mourinho, etc. And by the time it got to sack Mourinho, everyone was against Mourinho. It was a real feel-good story when he was sacked. So it had a lot of buzz. Now, I think we're all agreeing that Solskjaer is up against it. And it could very well come a time in the coming months where Solskjaer's going to lose his job, unfortunately. And if it comes to that time, it'll be almost a feel-good story in the media in terms of everyone, yeah, get rid of Solskjaer, we're going forward under our new manager. And... Bruno, he'll be better off after. He'll be better off with Pochettino, etc. And I feel this sort of. I would, I'd say it's an agenda because a lot of these reports have come from Duncan Castles. And if anyone doesn't know Duncan Castles, he's very much got the ear of Jose Mourinho. He's very well respected by Jose Mourinho, and they a lot of the leaks. So if Jose Mourinho wants something in the media, he'll use Duncan Castles to get it out. Now, Solskjaer pretty much took Jose Mourinho's job from United, and since the days um, Solskjaer walked into United in terms of the managerial position. Duncan Castles has had it for him. Anything he has done, it just it hasn't worked. Duncan Castles has absolutely rubbished it. Like if Solskjaer came out with the COVID vaccine, Duncan Castles would rubbish it, tell everyone not to get it. Like he absolutely hates him. And there, there, there's no tinfoil hat or conspiracy. He genuinely hates Solskjaer. Doesn't want him to succeed at all, and will pick faults at, at every moment he can get. And he's the one who has come out with these Bruno Fernandez reports saying that Bruno Fernandes has lost faith in Solskjaer, he doesn't believe he's a strong enough coach, 
He's obviously questioned the substitution against Tottenham. And I felt it was textbook exactly what I was saying on the last podcast in regards... I just think it's just bullshit journalism. He's just trying to create tension and create a divide between the manager and the fans' favourite player, which one will generate clicks on his articles, his, his headlines, and just ideally just sort of destabilise United. And I just want to get on that word destabilise. I'll just go into what Bruno Fernandes has recently come out just before we started recording. And I'm so happy because it's exactly what I was saying on the weekend. Bruno Fernandes said in regards to these reports that I believe it is a way to destabilise the group. What was said is in no way true. Do not use my name, my colleagues or the coach to make trouble at Man United. The atmosphere is good and the team is ready to give an answer in the next game. So I just want to get your thoughts. I've been rambling on there in regards to this whole Bruno Fernandes v Solskjaer and him losing faith. Or do you see it from where I stand? It was just a bit of a beat up in the media. Yeah, I think it's I think it's just a classic case of um, of the media trying to get clicks. Um, you know, when I saw the the story first come out, I think I first saw it on the Daily Mail, and I just thought, no, nah, this this isn't true. Like there were a hundred and one reasons in that Spurs game to take Bruno off. You know, um, we're losing three one at half time. You could see Bruno potentially, you know, um, losing control and just kicking out of players. You know, or even just getting injured. Um, and you know, there were bigger priorities than the game against um, Spurs the other week. Um, looking forward, but. I think yeah. I think it's it's just a case of the media trying to drive a wedge between United and their favourite player. Um, I, it's it's really frustrating as a fan because um, you see sort of other fans get swayed by those types of reports um, when they're clearly not true. And I'm just really happy to see a player like Bruno coming out at the first possible opportunity um, and rubbishing those claims because it's really important that that um that as players that you know they stick up for themselves in the media and stick up for the club and um you know you contrast that to last week with Paul Pogba when you see him sort of flirting with the idea of playing with Real Madrid um it's just yeah apples and oranges looking at how those two players have conducted themselves in the media over the last week so yeah it was really pleasing to see Bruno um react and yeah pretty much putting that claim to bed saying that there's no truth to it no, definitely. And just on, just furthermore of a quote from his in regards to that substitution you mentioned there against Tottenham, he said, I was replaced, it is true, by technical option. The coach told me that the game was almost over and that we would have a lot of games ahead of us. Got it? So I think exactly what we're saying on the weekend, and you just mentioned there, it was the correct decision to take Bruno off. The game was over, leaving him on was only yeah. going to do damage to him, potentially getting sent off or and then furthermore suspended. I think if he was going to go, if he stayed on the pitch, he was going to give the ball to Tottenham more than any player. And suddenly six one, as embarrassing as it was, it could have been nine or ten one, if he actually did go for it. So, and Bruno was right to be annoyed, even though I think it was the right decision. And Bruno maybe says it's the right decision. He's he's got every right to be annoyed with it. There's absolutely that, that's a good thing if he's annoyed with. It, he wants to be on. I think that's a really good sign. But um, yeah, as you meant, I think overall it is a really good sign from Bruno to come out and pretty much rubbish the reports. Yeah, I mean, it's just it's just really pleasing to see the reaction, and you can just read even by looking at those quotes, you can see the passion that Bruno has for the football club, um, and it's it's disappointing. Like I sort of brought up the Pogba um, issue last week, it, it's disappointing to see then you've got other players who are supposed to be really role models in the team that are supposed to have a really big say in the future of the football club. Um, you know, coming out and flirting with the idea of playing for other football clubs. Um, but yeah, it's it's great to see Bruno sort of stepping up again to the mark. Another tick for all the United fans. And um, you know, even though we've sort of discussed the captaincy and talked about how I don't think Bruno is the right 
fit for it at the moment. Um, definitely, as a future leader, you, you can see see why United fans are asking for it because you know it's it's behaviour like this in the media which is definitely going to um, prove to United fans that he really is passionate about the football club. No, definitely, and I definitely cannot wait for um, Man United to take the lead in the fourth minute after a Bruno penalty against Newcastle. Um, I think it's written in the stars. But um, speaking of Newcastle, we'll get into a Newcastle preview now. And I think whenever we start a match preview, it starts with this same question. I'd be interested to get your thoughts. And it's a discussion where I think everyone always has the same opinion, but it, it, we have to ask the question every single time. De Gea or Henderson? And the, I think the angle I want to take on this one is top four is the priority this season. We're obviously not going to go win the Champions League, so I think Solskjaer will see the Premier League as the more important competition. However, if you look at them on paper, United v Newcastle and United v PSG, United v PSG is obviously the much bigger game. So just want your opinion, is there a potential where Henderson might actually get the nod here and De Gea plays in the PSG game? Or how do you see Solskjaer weighing up the two different, two different games in two different competitions? Yeah, look, I mean, it's a, t- it's a tough decision for Solskjaer to make. Um, you know, we've got crucial games coming up. Um, personally, I can't see him dropping De Gea, um, and I think that he'll play De Gea for both games. And I know that might be a bit of a controversial view, but um, I watched both of Spain's um, Nations League matches that they've played over the last couple of days. And sure, um, Spain lost 1-0 to Ukraine, but um, in Spain's first game, I can't quite recall who they played, but De Gea made a cracking save. Um, like it, it was, it was a fantastic save. If anybody hasn't gone and um, watched that, the highlights from that game, I'd highly recommend it. He made an amazing save, got across um, the goal line so quickly to to pretty much stop an open goal. Um, and I think um, until De Gea gives us a reason uh, t- to be dropped, I think he's just going to continue to stay as number one. Do you see then? And again, uh, maybe this is a hard one because PSG is such a big game. But we almost see at the moment, and I think throughout history we've seen it, we've got our number one keeper for the Premier League, and then in those League Cup, FA Cup games, this is where you'll see Dean Henderson coming. However, do you, can you see Solskjaer treating the Champions League almost as like a League Cup and FA Cup? And, okay, maybe not this one, you've said you expect De Gea to play, but I think PSG is such a massive game. But in a game against, say, Istanbul or Leipzig, can you see Henderson being like a Champions League goalkeeper almost? Yeah, I think so. I mean, and it makes it hard for Solskjaer because we don't have a, a, a League Cup game till, I think, December. Yeah. Um, so he's going to have to, um, you know, use Henderson at some point. And I think it will may, it will probably come in towards the later stages of the, the Champions League group um, stage. I think, you know, we'll definitely see him against Istanbul and most likely Leipzig as well. But I think I think he'll stick with De Gea um, for the big game against PSG. I think, I think he needs to, unless something happens on the weekend and... Um, yeah. <laughs> now, fingers crossed that doesn't happen. God, you've given me a bad vision for the, the weekend ahead. <laughs> but we'll, we'll move forward 10 yards and we'll talk about the centre-back partnership, which we have touched on Maguire, but is your opinion on... Well, two things. What you would want to see, but also what do you think Solskjaer will do? You've said you think there's a likely chance that Maguire will play, but sort of what would you do slash what do you think Solskjaer will end up doing? I think... Um... It's an interesting one. I think it partially will depend on Alex Tellez's availability. Um, you know, I've seen a couple of um, people sort of on Facebook and Twitter talking about the idea of perhaps Luke Shaw playing as a left centre-back and then um, seeing Alex Tellez as a left-back. But um, I think just in light of everything that's going on, I think he's probably going to stick with Maguire and Lindelof. Um, the fact that Bay went down in that Ivory Coast game really concerns me and makes me worried that he's not going to be around for a lot of the season just based on his sort of track record as being quite injury prone. Um, 
but yeah, I mean Lindelof didn't have a great um, didn't have a great international break either. I saw Sweden, I think, lost three nil this morning. Um, so yeah, I mean it's it's a tough decision for Solskjaer. Who do you who do you play at centre back? Um, I think he's going to go with what he knows best, and that would be um, Lindelof and Maguire. You just mentioned there, okay, let's say it's going to be fourth, but I seem to be the only one who thinks there's a chance that we go to three at the back against um, Newcastle and almost trial it for the PSG game. But a lot of that will depend on Tellez in regards to, obviously, he was playing in Brazil for the international matches, so he obviously has a big trip over to Manchester, so I'm sure we'll hear more from Solskjaer in regards to when he arrives, if he's actually even going to be available, because obviously that South America to Manchester trip is a... Is a tricky one, but let's just say sure. Um, sorry, Tellez is available and ready to go. Do you think it just comes too soon for Tellez, or could you see there's a potential where potential option where he does start over Luke Shaw? Look, I think it's a tricky one. Um, you know, he is match fit. He's been playing for Porto um, so far this season, and you know he's been on international break. But um, yeah, at the same time, it's a bit tricky because um, he is making that long trip from Brazil to to Manchester. So I think that he might just stick with Shaw um, just to be a bit safe. You know. Um, Given that there might be a new sort of sorry a few new players that we do see um, at the weekend, uh, I think that it's likely that he'll stick with Shaw um, as the starting left back. Yeah, no, look, I really want to see Tellez. I just think, given the situation, I think it, yeah, it might be a little bit safer. And I think maybe against PSG, I think it's maybe a better chance to see Tellez. Obviously, used to European football, I think that might be a very good introduction rather than sort of even though PSG is a much harder game than Newcastle. And again, Newcastle obviously don't have their fans there, but I think it's a more it's a more easy, it's a more fluid introduction to Man United life against PSG rather than um, away up at Newcastle, which is obviously going to be a tricky game. I assume um, that St. Maximum is going to be playing on the right wing, who um, is obviously going to cause nightmares for anyone who he, if he's on his day. But we'll move forward now into midfield, and I think the midfield now, it's so interesting because you've got Bruno, you've got Pogba, you've got Donny van der Beek scored for Netherlands. There's so many games coming up now, and it's not just a lot of games. There are a lot of big games. Like pretty much every single game, not only is it must-win almost, but they're cracking games. You got PSG, you got Leipzig, you got I think you got Chelsea and Arsenal in there. You got Everton in there. You obviously got Newcastle on the weekend. So they're all big games. I think our midfield. So one of Solskjaer's biggest criticisms over the since his time, he's he's always picked the same team. However, I think in midfield now with the options we have, he simply has to be forced into changing the midfield. I don't think we'll see the same midfield three. Um, play back to back over the next coming weeks. Yeah, I, I don't think he will. And I mean, I guess one good thing for United looking forward to the Champions League is that they they're actually allowed to to make those five to, to make five subs as opposed to three. So oh, okay. and, I mean, we yeah yeah. So the Champions League, I think they're they're allowing the five sub rule. Um, and we saw you know towards the end of last season how United really exploited that, and they were pretty much able to bring on a fresh new team, and um, it really added a new dimension to the game. So I think that. That we might see, um, you know, a bit of rotation for that PSG game, just because we can really bring on a whole new half of the team in the second half if we need to. Um, I mean, in terms of starters for Newcastle, I wouldn't be surprised if we see Bruno and Van der Beek start in the middle, um, and you know, Matic just behind them, because um, you, I think Solskjaer will probably be disappointed with Pogba's behaviour over the um, the international break, and then you know, looking back to his performance against Spurs, which just wasn't great. And he hasn't had a great start to the season um, at all. So, I don't know. I think I think I wouldn't be surprised if Van der Beek starts. Just, you know, he had a really good performance against, um, can't remember, against Italy this morning. Um, and he scored a goal, obviously, which was, it was a good finish by him. So, um, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if we see Van der Beek starting with Bruno. 
Yeah, no, I'd love to see him get a go. He definitely deserves a start. But again, I think if anyone does miss out here, they're going to play against PSG. Like, what? That's a fantastic reward to be able to go and start against PSG. I think that's such a massive game as well. So, I think I'll be happy with it, um, whoever plays in midfield. But moving on now, the front three, which before the Tottenham games really should have picked itself with Yad Cavani coming in. You could you could sort of see who was going to play where. But obviously now Martial's been sent off. Cavani can't play obviously because he's still in quarantine. It's an interesting front three. Who do you see playing almost that central role? Do you think it'll be Rashford or do you think there's a potential where Rashford will go to the left and maybe even Mason Greenwood will go through the middle? Yeah, look, I wouldn't be surprised if, if Mason plays in the middle. Um, yeah, I think I think Mason is probably would be best suited to the middle. I think it'd be good to keep Rashford you know, out on the left. Um, but then the question is, who do you bring bring um, as the right wing or the right forward? Um, I wouldn't be surprised if, if Juan Mata does does start because you know he he's really performed well in the games where we've needed him to um and you know looking uh, I can just see already this this game against Newcastle that Newcastle are just going to you know try and park the bus quite early and if that's the case you know one matters the exact player that you need to try and break down the defense um and I don't think that Palestri will be starting um you know I would be surprised if he even makes the bench on Saturday so I mean we're a bit thin on options going forward um but I wouldn't be surprised if we see um, Rashford out on the left, uh, Greenwood in the middle, and um, and Mata on the right. Yeah, no, I'd say on paper that is pretty much exactly what I would have as my front three. And as I mentioned before, I wouldn't be shocked um, if one Mata was potentially given the captain's armband just to keep sort of a harmonious squad to make sure what Bruno's saying is correct, that everyone's on the same page. I think if one Mata gets given the captain's armband, everyone's happier. <laughs> I don't think that's going to pee anyone off. But... Um, who knows, he might not even play, but fingers crossed the Spaniard gets the nod because I'd say I don't think the way Newcastle are going to set up, it just will be one of those games where you, you can see, you, you, we've seen it so often where we can't break them down, but I think if we start with a player like that with obviously the quality of midfielders behind him, um, it will, because if we play well with that midfield and with players like Matter and Greenwood and Rashford, it's maybe not about Newcastle, we should win. So um, fingers crossed it all goes to plan. Yeah, and I mean, look, I look back to the um to the last game we played at St James's Park last year when we lost one nil and it was exactly the type of game where where Newcastle parked the bus um, and we really struggled to break them down and then obviously Longstaff scored that like pretty incredible long long range goal which beat us one nil um, so I think yeah I think Matter would be crucial you know if we want if we're going to win this game I think Matter is going to play a really important role uh, fingers crossed and we will obviously be back on the podcast to discuss that on either Sunday or Monday and obviously not only re- review that match but obviously look ahead to the big um, PSG and the big weeks ahead and um, hopefully Larry will be back for us um, that podcast and like the podcast we did on the weekend at the pub that is something we might do maybe so once a month where we invite all the listeners down um, to come down and have a chat and a couple of drinks and um very simple the boys would um, testify to it on the weekend it's literally just put the table the phone down in the middle of the table at the bar and um, just talk about whatever comes up it was a good discussion on the weekend and a very good chat tonight Adrian really enjoyed that mate thanks for having me it's been great to great to listen to you guys on the podcast I'm really happy to be on the show and, uh, a pleasure and make sure all the listeners please subscribe on your podcast app um, or on Google Spotify SoundCloud iTunes etc Make sure you subscribe so it just pops up on your phone. You don't, you don't sort of have to go searching every week, etc. And across all the social media, so Facebook, Insta and Twitter, if you're just interacting on the page there, whether it be liking a comment or retweeting a tweet, etc., all those interactions really do help the podcast grow and make myself and Larry extremely happy. So we appreciate all the support on there. 
And um, hopefully everyone has a good weekend and it is met with three points and an end to the international break and United return to form. So hopefully everyone has a good weekend and we'll chat to you next week. Cheers. Thank you.